2: You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Nick Schwert and Derek Johnson on FM 101.7 and 1320 KLWN. Went to my first Royals game of the season. My first Royals game of the last two seasons over the weekend. And really it doesn't matter which game I went to. Yeah, as you say, you could have gone any time last week. Because the Royals just wrapped up an 0 for 7 week. That's pretty hard to do. Whole week, playing a game every single day, you're bound to win one. But that's not what happened. Almost impressive the way you can go from first place to losing seven in a row. We'll talk to David Lesky about that coming up here in about half an hour. I went to the game on Saturday. I already had the tickets. We bought the tickets a while ago. Just so happened that it was the second start for Daniel Lynch. Cool. This will be fun. It's the young kid, the young prospect. Let's see what he's got. It was five to nothing before I even sat down. Five to nothing before I even took my seat. So uh, this isn't this isn't what I asked for. I didn't pay for this. So I sat there and you know watched him continue to get shelled for another uh, third of an inning before he got pulled. George Brett. I don't know why. I don't know why every time. I mean, I know why, but also. Stop. Leave this guy alone. Every time the Royals do something, good or bad, it's like, we got we to gotta ask George Brett. I think more than anything, we just need another, you know, beloved son. We need another prodigal son to turn to, to ask for... Yeah, are
0: we going to do this with Patrick Mahomes in like 30 years when he's been retired for 10 years? 100%.
2: It was the Joe McGuff ALS Golf Classic. Brett, George Brett was one of the celebrity players, along with uh, Tom Watson. So, of course, you know George Brett's going to be there. Local media shows up. Let's say, George, George. I think, I think we're in 1920 again. Champ, champ, champ. Question. The Royals 0-7. What do you think? What do you think about those Royals? Like I'm sure George Brett sort of groaned and was like, okay, here we, okay, let me fix all the Royals problems again. <laughs> I gave you three decades. I gave you three decades. And you guys are still coming to me for answers. Like, find somebody else. He said that they, uh, here's the exact quote from George Brett. I think right now the Royals are swinging too hard. They're trying to do more than they're capable of doing. Which I'm not saying he's wrong. I think he was in a golf mindset. But it's just like, isn't that such a throwaway? Like, they're sw- oh, let me think of something.
0: Oh. I think his caddy told them that tournament. He was like, Brett, you're swinging, or George, you're, you're swinging too hard. And he's like, oh, I'm going to use this if they ask me about the Royals.
2: It was just fresh in his mind. Yeah. Like, leave this guy alone. He's swinging too hard. Do you think they're sharing that piece of advice with the Royals today? Do you think, like, it's an off day? Do you think Mike Matheny's saying, hey, guys, guys, come on, you're swinging too hard. Everyone's like, oh, no, yeah, you're right. You're right, Skip. Where'd you get that from? Yeah, I was just talking to George. He said you guys are probably swinging too hard or something. I don't know. Try that. See if it works. Because that's what I imagine baseball managers anyway. To like that's a, that's the extent of how much they're actually assisting in like day to day stuff. Like they set the lineup, they decide when the pitcher's going to come. That sort of stuff. I can't imagine Mike Matheny's like, hey, like. Hunter Dozier's batting practice. He's like, hey, try that. He's like, changes his grip. You know, he's standing right behind him. Yeah, we'll talk to David Lasky here in a bit, but all of a sudden, first place to third place. That's what uh an 0 7 week will do. Under 500 16 and 17 on the season. Over the weekend, one of our favorites, Mark Emmert spoke to the New York Times and told them the NCAA commissioner says uh, the NCAA will be announcing name, image, and likeness changes that will go into f- effect in the month of July, which is startling on one hand because the NCAA has fought tooth and nail against name, image, and likeness law for the better part of the past decade I and mean, really ever since 2009, which is when that lawsuit from Ed O'Bannon former UCLA star because his name, image, and likeness was being used to sell video games. But ever since then, the NCAA really hasn't given much ground, so much so that they're lobbying for Congress to come in and pass legislation that would supersede all of these individual state laws because Florida and four other states have laws going into effect On July 1st. So there's no coincidence as to why the NCAA said they're going to make some NIL changes by July 1st. Because they have to. Because if they don't, what's going to happen? Massive advantage for these four. It's already going to be an absolute bleep show. It is. Because you can't sit here on May 10th. The NCAA, which has notoriously moved at a snail's pace... For any anything that requires, you know, sweeping change. And to think that they're gonna figure this out in two months, it's ludicrous. And what we're seeing like right in front of our eyes is the power slipping through the NCAA's fingers. And It's all their fault because if they would have been on top of this years ago, months ago even, they could have sort of steered the ship in the direction that they wanted it to go, like knowing, okay, we have to cede some ground. Athletes are going to be able to profit off their name, image, and likeness. If you would have just conceded that, you would have been able to sort of direct how this thing's going to go. You didn't, though. You fought it, and now you have two months to figure out a plan. Before Florida and all these states, which, by the way, no coincidence, all in SEC country. Well, most of them. It's Alabama, Florida, Georgia, Mississippi, and New Mexico. Four of those states are in SEC territory. I mean, Dennis Dodd wrote a piece today. He said that Dan Mullen has been telling recruits since 2019 about this. Like, hey, if you come here, you're going to be able to profit off your name, image, and likeness. Like, using that as a recruiting pitch. And you can see why this would become bigger than football, because if that's going to, if one state has an advantage over others, well, yes, it's, it's advantageous for football, but what happens when one school wins a lot of championships? They make a lot of money. And that's why other states are probably going to be reactive or reactionary. And a lot of states, I mean, Kansas had, uh, had a bill proposed, I think it was late February, early March. But this stuff takes a while. It's one thing to propose it, but you're already behind the eight ball if you weren't being proactive here in the first part. If the NCAA is able to pass a rule before July 1st, the states would then have some power unless a national or a federal law is passed. I think there's all but eight, all but eight states have at least introduced a bill. But it's just it's it's chaotic right now. I wonder this, because we know this is going to happen eventually. When this does happen, how do you think specifically Kansas is going to be affected? Because the states that are going to benefit the most from this are states where they really, really care about college athletics. Like, you can say what you want about, you know, USC, for instance. USC is a big school. USC is uh, not hurting for publicity, yet in that state where people can spend money, you'd have to be uh, Sam Darnold... Matt Leinart type to really profit off your name image and likeness for a state for a, at a school like that as opposed to Kentucky or Kansas where you know people care a little bit more about college athletics than they do in a in a city like LA. Yeah, but it's also different
0: money, right? Like the people who are going to get that in LA, your Reggie Bushes, your I don't know, maybe even Evan Mobley this past mm-hmm. season, they're going to get big money in LA. Whereas, you know, here in Lawrence, you might get a business You know, a car dealership Mm -hmm. or something who's willing to, hey, here, we're going to provide you a car and we're going to throw in whatever, $10,000 or something, where it's not going to be like huge money, but it'll be something.
2: Yeah, because that's the other part of it that I think we have a tendency to lose sight on. We think of the Zion Williamson's and the Anthony Davises, and you think about these major athletes, Andrew Wiggins. Andrew Wiggins would have made a killing of Kansas, would have made a killing This guy was on the cover of Sports Illustrated, did a GQ shoot before he even played in a single game. And yeah, he could have made money from a lot of different avenues. We think about those, but you also lose sight on the fact that at Wichita State even, if you are Fred Van Vliet or Ron Baker at Wichita State, you know what you're going to do? You're going to have every single business in that town coming to try and Mm -hmm. get you on their commercial or put you on their billboard. Whether it's a restaurant or a car dealership, you're going to be able to – and those guys could make way more money at a school like Wichita State than they could a school like USC or even Kansas for that matter. Yeah, well, I mean, okay, here's the thing. Like,
0: you hear this argument a lot, oh, I'm afraid that if we do this in recruiting, you could go to some random city and some big booster is going to be like, here's a million dollars to come here. And first of all, that's, that's such fiction because, yeah. one, you know – You don't become a rich booster by just giving away a million dollars to somebody random, right? Uh, Second of all, if you think that's going to work out for them in the business world, like, you might have a booster who gives a bunch of money to a kid, and then he's going to realize, oh, we didn't get our marketing return on that. Maybe I shouldn't do that moving Mm -hmm. forward. They're going to learn their lesson. And again, I don't think they're stupid enough if they have that much money that they would be willing to do that anyway. Now, maybe you could make the argument that, like, if you have a billionaire, for instance, like Charles Koch. Or is it Charles Koch? I just know it's the Koch brothers. Oh, there's two of them. It's one of them, yeah. Okay. If uh, one of the Koch brothers offers some player and he says, you know, I just want us to be really good and I want us to go get this Anthony Davis kid. And they say, we will give this kid a, a million dollars. You know, like, I don't care. I just want us to be really good. I want to win a national title before we die. Who cares? If that's the market worth and they're willing to do it,
2: it's part of the game. Because it probably won't be worth it, by the way. Right. And then they'll never do it again. And it'll be few and far in between. And they'll never do it again. Because how? Because here's the other part. Is those transcendent types, whether it's Anthony Davis, Kevin Durant, uh, Andrew Wiggins, and I'm not even talking about what they went on to accomplish. I'm talking about the clout that surrounded them when they got to school. Zion Williamson, where you just say, this is a marketing goldmine. Those guys aren't going to come to college anymore. Because in a couple of years... They're going to be able, once again, to go straight to the NBA. So the next one, who's the kid who was committed to Michigan State? Imani Bates? Yeah, Uh, He's supposed to be a generational talent. And he is a junior in high school right now. He's going to be a senior next year. He just decommitted from Michigan State. And you can probably connect the dots to say he knows that by the time he graduates high school, there's a decent chance he's not going to have to go to college or that he's not going to have to uh, toil away in the G League for a year. Right, he's going to be able to go straight to the NBA and start cashing big time checks, not uh, not uh, Greg's Auto World checks. Right, he's going to go ch- cash those Gatorade, those Nike, Kia checks. So it's not going to matter. So those guys, you think, well, what's going to happen? Because the the biggest fallacy with all of this has been, well, the schools with all the money are going to get all the players. They already do. Look around. Look around. The schools, there's always, it's always going to be haves and have-nots. And what the detractors have been trying to convince you for decades is that it's just going to further the divide. It's just going to make it that much different. It's, it's not, though. It's a lie. It's a fallacy because those smaller schools still have something to offer, and it's that there are they're isolated, and that the companies who want to do business with them are still going to want to do business with them. The market dictates itself, and for so long we've acted like the NCAA has to sort of manipulate it themselves in the sake of equality and fairness, and it's just not true because there is no fairness. Like The haves will always be the haves, and the have-nots will always be the have-nots, and there will be opportunities for those have-nots to break through here and there, but they're never going to enter that territory with the elites, and name, image, and likeness laws aren't going to change that, but change is coming. And the NCAA, I mean, for a lot of people like myself included, like the, there is going to be a a stark power shift. And it'll be interesting to see 5, 10 years from now what role the NCAA even plays because their number one duty of upholding amateurism, it's about to be irrelevant. It's about 20 past the hour. He's Derek Johnson. I'm Nick Schwert. You're listening to Rock Chuck Sports Talk.
0: You already know that if you need a car wash, you need to go to Tommy's Express Car Wash. They've got all the tools and expertise to keep your car clean, both inside and on the outside. You want it clean inside because if anybody gets in your car, they're not going to want it look like a pigsty. Plus, you're going to want to clean of all those germs. You want to clean on the outside because if you're going to be pulling up in somebody's neighborhood, maybe going to see a friend, they're going to see the outside of your car and go, wow. This guy, he knows what he's doing with his car washes. That's because Tommy's Express Car Wash is going to take care of you. Their wash packages let you pay for the services you want, including Tommy Guard, And body wax, that's right, have it looking real spiffy. Wheel cleaning and tire gloss, underbody flush, and spot-free rinse and vacuums as well. If you're like me, you have a dog, I have a golden retriever, she sheds so much. So I need the vacuums at Tommy's Express Car Wash, and boy do they have them. They do them right. That's wash, rinse, repeat with Tommy's Express Car Wash. And don't forget to download the Tommy Club app today and enjoy endless washing for one low price. That's at Tommy's Express Car Wash.
2: It's about 20 till the hour. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. He's Derek Johnson. I'm not Nick Schwert. This is it's kind of uh, kind of weird because it's been good vibes every Monday around this time. Talking Royals baseball because the Royals have been one of the best teams in baseball. At least up until the last seven games in which they went 0 for 7. David Lesky is making his triumphant return to Rock Chalk Sports Talk. He ha- has the courage to join us again after a winless week. He hasn't joined us since last Monday, and the Royals haven't won since then, so maybe this is what it takes. Maybe another appearance, a day off. The Royals get back on track tomorrow. David Leskey with us now on RCST. David, uh, what's going on? What's happened this past week, man?
1: Um, it hasn't been good. It has been bad. Mm-hmm. And there's my analysis.
2: Okay, well,
1: that's pretty good. <laughs> pretty I,
2: I heard some good analysis uh, earlier today from George Brett, which I feel bad for at this point. Every time something happens with the Royals, like he gave he gave you three right. good decades, and it's just like no, we still gotta we still gotta go back to that. Well, George Brett says they're swinging too hard. So, uh-huh. do you think Mike Matheny has passed the message along today?
1: Yeah, it, it's funny. Um, I, I think that's the go-to. Uh, well, Charlie Loud told George Brett. In 1973, swing easier, and that's the (laughs) advice for the end till the end of time. It's (laughs) just it's it's never going to change. Just swing easier, guys. Swing is that that just swing easier? And and you know you hear it. I don't mean to bash Ryan and Hud, and and maybe I do mean to. I don't know. Um, But you always hear, oh, you see what happened when Jorge Soler took a 75% swing. He didn't. He took a full swing. In baseball, you swing hard that that's and you know whatever that's that's a that's a whole other topic um but i I, I do kind of feel bad for George Brett in some ways because these you just wanted to golf man he doesn't care the yeah. seven he's when when they're losing, I don't know that he knows what the team's record is when they're winning, he's right there happy and good for him he deserves that i don't yeah. I'm not trying to begrudge him that it's but yeah it's that is certainly some advice
2: do you do you still see this team as a contender?
1: You know, I was skeptical before, but it was kind of like oh, there's been four, and five, four or five weeks of, of contending, so how can I argue too much with it, right? But then, um, kind of brought back to earth, obviously, I think that they have a chance to be relevant in September. um and a good chance. I, I know, that sounds like I'm giving them, oh, they have a 6% chance to be within 70 games of first place on September 1st. No, I think that they... I think they have a good chance to be relevant. Um, what does relevant mean? I don't know. I mean, I think back to like 2013 when they, they won 86 games. I don't know if this team is that good. Um, I don't know if they're not either. But that, that they were, we, were, we were looking at the standings in September, and it, w- it was really like, okay, well, this, 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 and this have to happen. But if it does, and then this, this, and this happens, then the Royals could be two games out. And, but it was a lot closer than it had been in, I don't know, 10 years, I guess. <laughs> in 2003 when they were weirdly decent, um, totally fluky. And, and I think it could be similar to that this season. But I also think that there's some good with that because obviously that led to the next season, which was a World Series year. And the season after that, which was a World Series championship year, I think I think what we're seeing is the growing pains of a team that isn't quite ready to win yet, um, but they have enough talent to occasionally go 16-9 over a 25-game period which that's a good thing. That's a good skill to have. Of course, they then went 0-8 over the next eight games, and that that, that completely erased most of it. But, um, yeah, I think that they have they have the high-end talent, and I think that the bottom of the roster will hopefully continue to get better as guys come back from injury. Of course, they might lose other guys to injury, too, and keep it the same. But I, I, think, that that's, I think they have a, a really good shot to be relevant. I don't know if they have a good shot to contend in September.
2: So, what is that? I mean, what's the um, what's the size of games that we're looking at right now to sort of evaluate? If you're if you are uh, Dayton Moore, if you're Mike Matheny, and you're just kind of trying to figure out what you what you're trying to accomplish this season, what's sort of the sample size that you're looking at down the road right now?
1: Well, I mean, I think that they've definitely played enough games; they can figure out, and they they can make some decisions based on what they've played. Dayton Moore always talks about forty games, right? They played thirty three. I mean, it, it, if you're going to find out something over the next seven games that you don't know already, it's not going to be anything huge, I would think. And, you know, I think that at this point, though, with, with what we've seen, they, they kind of have to take everything series by series, almost week by week. Because if you asked a week ago, what are the Royals going to do as far as as far as the roster midseason, you know, trade deadline time? Well, they're going to add for sure. Ask me
2: today, I don't know. We're talking to David Lesky of Royals Review. You can check out his work at Inside the Crown Substack as well. So, I remember, David, uh, last year, probably around March or whenever, we, we talked before the season about sort of what you were interested to find out about Mike Matheny. And last year was a little bit different because the Royals weren't a competitive team. This year, you have the hot start expectations maybe get bumped up just a little bit, maybe got brought back down to earth with this last week. But notoriously, for better and for worse, under Ned Yost, he was stubborn to a fault. And at times, we, as fans, you love him for it. At times, you were groaning and didn't understand why he was doing what he was doing. Now that there is a change, and now that for the first time as Rose manager, you're kind of at this, this juncture where you're trying to figure out what this season is going to be. Is there anything specifically with Mike Matheny you're interested to see, sort of play out and see how he handles it?
1: Well, I mean, there's some things from last season. In a 60-game year with the 28-man roster, and it was 30-man for, what, two weeks, three, whatever it was, um, it's a lot easier to handle the bullpen the way he did because, A, you don't have 162 games to worry about. B, you've got, I think he had like 96 relievers on the roster last season. So he was able to, No, nobody was getting too tired. Um, this year, though, I'm, I'm really curious to see how, how that holds up throughout the season, because he's been a fairly quick hook on his starting pitchers. Some people think not quick enough, but I mean, at some point you've got to get innings from your starters. You can't just rely on the bullpen for four or five innings every single night. But I, I, I really like the way he's, he's handled his bullpen with getting guys in certain spots rather than in certain. innings. I'm so far it, it's held up and he's, he's continued to do that from last season through 33 games. There's 129 more. It, it, and they've had a lot of off days from one, one right now, but just some scheduled off days. Um, and now they're, they're really into the grind of the schedule. And I am very curious to see if he continues that or if guys start to fall into roles. Um, a lot of managers talk about, well, we don't really know until we're at the 40, 45, 50 game mark. Well, they only got to 60 last year. So it's hard to say if, if he really would, would have settled into roles or not. And, that, that I'm very curious about. I'm also interested, his batting orders, most of the time, you look at that and you go, yeah, that's really well thought out. And then occasionally, you see like Carlos Santana hitting third and Salvador Perez fourth, which he flipped them, what, back, we talked about this, it was like the second week of the season, maybe third week of the season, something early. He, he flipped them because of guys getting on base. And Santana coming up with, with, two out nobody on a lot, and that being a better spot for Salvi and all that. And then he flipped him back for a game, and then it was back. It was like, oh, I forgot. I forgot that I'm a sabermetric manager now. Um, it was just kind of odd. And so I'm, I'm curious to see how that goes. But the other thing, too, I mean, if guys aren't, aren't hitting, he's kind of tied. You know, his hands are kind of tied there. What, what is he supposed to do? Benintendi was struggling, so he dropped him pretty quick, which I don't think Ned would have done. I think mean, Ned would have left him up there a lot longer. Um, but then as soon as Benintendi started hitting, he moved him back up to the second spot. And I, I, I think that that I, I think if other guys were hitting better, he may not have done that. He may have given Bedenzi another couple weeks to keep going down in the six seven spot. I don't know. Um, so I'm just kind of curious to see how these things play out over a full season rather than a short season with a huge roster. And that that we don't know yet. We'll find out soon.
2: All right, what's your gut tell you? Do the Royals get the sweep in Detroit?
1: <laughs> I mean, the Tigers are really bad. They are really really bad. I, the Royals are playing as bad as anybody. I, I think they still win the series. I don't know if they sweep the, the Tigers, but I, I think they win a series and they get back on track. Um, try get some vibes a little better for, for Chicago. One thing I'm working on for tomorrow. Yeah. They lost seven games. The offense was super unlucky, super unlucky. And, and it was bad luck and bad timing. They couldn't hit with runners in scoring position. even though they'd hit all year with runners in scoring position. All of a sudden it just stopped. I mean, if you, if you were watching the games, you didn't really feel like they were hitting poorly until there was a guy on third base, right? It seemed like they'd get runners on, had no problem, and they just can't get them in. Well, all year they've gotten them in. Why, why now? And so I, I think some of that will start to turn around, especially against a, a lesser pitching staff. But um, they, they, they've still got some issues, and, and their staff is pretty thin right now. So it's, uh, it, it's iffy. And it, it's kind of like the whole thing with Lynch. Yeah, you feel like they can get back on track, but if they don't think it's the Tigers, yeah, you might start hearing a lot of people push the panic button against them. But I, I think they'll win the series.
2: He's David Lesky. You can subscribe to his Substack, Inside the Crown. You can check out more of his work at Royals Review. Always a pleasure. Thank you, despite the circumstances, for uh, joining us once again this week, David.
1: It'll be happier next week.
2: All right. Um, I'll hold you to that. <laughs> I'm holding you to that. All right. Thanks again, David. That is David Lesky. Joining us here on Rock Shock Sports Talk, he's Derek Johnson. I'm Nick Schwert. (laughs) Got some breaking news for you. This important PSA is brought to you by Manscaped.com. This is your pubic service announcement and the news you've all been waiting for. The Manscaped engineering team has confirmed that they have successfully created the Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, which is now available for purchase in the USA and Canada. This new trimmer was just released only moments ago, and we are one of the first to get our hands on it and share the news. Join over 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code RCST at manscaped.com. The optimized Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer is waterproof so you can groom in the shower and not have to worry about making a mess on the bathroom floor. So gone are those days of trying to hover directly over the toilet bowl. You're trying to aim to make sure every little hair makes it into the bowl. Sooner than later, you're on all fours wiping down the sides of the bowl, trying to clean up the mess you just made. Those are things of the past because the lawnmower 4.0, completely waterproof. Take care of your business in the shower. Nobody will be the wiser. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code RCST at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com when you use code RCST. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. (laughs) Quick shout out to all of our sponsors, RCST Trivia, 23rd Street Brewery, Sporting Kansas City, Pella Windows, Toppling Goliath, CBD of Lawrence, River Rat, Print and Skate, Jayhawk Trophy, Hawaiian Bros, and the Lawrence Public Library. Our first matchup today brought to you by 23rd Street Brewery, open for dine-in, carry-out and catering. Outdoor patio is a great spot to enjoy the warm weather. Try the Bill Self mac and cheese the Haney Turkey Stack, or any of the great menu items. And don't forget about the 23rd Street Brewery's beer, which you can get to go as well with their crawlers. RCSD Trivia brought to you by Toppling Goliath with a brewery and taproom located in Decorah, Iowa. Toppling Goliath features 10 of the top 250 beers in the world, according to Beer Advocate. That also includes three of the top 10, three of the top 10 world beers and six of the top 100. If you're not going to be making it up to Decorah anytime soon, Don't worry, you can order toppling Goliath apparel and beer at tgbrews.com. Four days, four matchups, four spots up for grab in the phenomenal four that is happening right now, RCST Trivia. It's the grade eight. Eight contestants enter this week. Only four will make it on to next week. All of our winners this week will win a four-pack of soccer tickets to Sporting Kansas City, a Sporting Kansas City jersey, a Toppling Goliath pint glass, and a hat, which I am sporting today. And, of course, a Phenomenal Four trophy, courtesy of Jayhawk Trophy. We have three one-seeds alive in the grade eight, which means three of of our Phenomenal Four contestants from a year ago trying to make it back. But that also means... There are three contestants trying to make history standing in their way. And that's what we've got right here. First matchup of the day. The Great Eight matchup in the Midwest region. Between our defending champ, the Wonderkind Isaac Henderson, and the three-seed, Ryan Schlesner. Ryan has had his eyes set on the matchup versus Isaac for quite some time. He mentioned him in his second-round matchup. He mentioned him in his third-round matchup. Both times we warned him. We said, you know, don't put the cart he- ahead of the horse now because we've got some other things to take care of. But Ryan did take care of that. Now you got the matchup you've been dreaming for, Ryan. What makes you so confident that you can be the person to make history and hand Isaac his first L?
3: Man, I have, uh, I've never felt overly confident about beating Isaac. I knew, you know, when the brackets came out, this was the matchup I circled right away. Like, hey, this is, this is where I know I need to get, this is where I know my skills can take me. Uh, and then, you know, just any, it, like the NCAA tournament, man, any day anybody can beat anybody, it just depends. So you just got to get to the matchup before you can win the matchup. So made it here and I'm excited for for the shot at it
2: are the nerves still there or have you sort of uh, settled into a comfort level at this point
3: you know for me the nerves are always kind of there it's kind of opposite the first guy I played he said he felt really great until the zoom call connected I'm always kind of the opposite I'm like nervous and then once I get here I'm like you know once the cameras rolling if I know it I know it if I don't I don't there's really nothing to be nervous about at that point just you, get, you gotta knock down the shots that are in front of you that's all you can do
2: uh, your your competitor today, Ryan, knows a little something about that. He won the whole dang thing a season ago. Isaac, looking to make it back to the phenomenal four. Isaac, you've been there, done that. You've seen it all. You've reached the mountaintop. What about you? Do nerves still play a factor, or is it just a is it that whole ten thousand hour rule? Right, you do something for ten thousand hours, you become a pro. Do you feel like you're a pro of RCST trivia at this point?
4: I definitely think early on this year there was some nerves, uh, you know, not win the whole thing and then come back and lay an egg. But I think once we once to this to this point and you know, you kind of go back to last year, you know, finish lines in sight, and it's kind of just knocking down what's in front of you because you're really you know only eight people left. We're only really only halfway there. You won't, you've won three, you got to win three more. So there's still a lot of work to be done.
2: Do you change your strategy at all once you get to this juncture? Is it the same thing you've been doing all along?
4: Yeah, just keep it consistent. Um, Just keep going over the things you've been doing. Um, Just keep consistent. You don't want to change anything up.
2: All right, fellas. The first spot in the Phenomenal Four is up for grabs right now. You guys are kicking off our great eight matchups. You know everything that's at stake. You know all the prizes, all the glory that's on the line. And you also know how this works by now. You guys are seasoned, so you know the deal. I'll be asking you guys a series of KU questions alternating back and forth. The questions will get progressively more difficult as you advance throughout the rounds. You still have 30 seconds to answer. It will still play you a five-second warning when you have five seconds left. Make sure you get that answer off. Don't say nothing, right? That's the cardinal sin of RCST trivia, guessing nothing, because that way is the only way you're guaranteed to get the question wrong. Fellas, I'm excited for this. I know you are as well. You guys ready to do it or what? Let's do it. All right, that's the enthusiasm that I like to hear. Ryan, you are the three seed, so you've got the uh, option of answering first or second. What's it going to be?
3: Sticking with uh, what I've been doing each time going first.
2: Okay, here we go. Ryan, first question. What's the name of the Kansas guard from 2018 who broke the school record for most total assists in one season with 282 of them.
3: Devontae Graham.
2: That's right, Devontae Graham broke Cedric Hunter's mark that stood for quite some time. All right, Isaac, your first question. Sitting fourth all time on the KU list for most threes made in a career is a wing who played from 2015 to 2018 he is now playing in the NBA. What's his name? Svi. His name is Svi. Care to do the full name. Yeah. Do you know? Do you even know what his full name is, Isaac? All right. Uh, you know, I'd
4: have, I'd have to. Yeah, you have to. You're gonna make me remember all the way back to 2018.
2: <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Good job, guys. Back to you now, Ryan. Ryan Jeff Witty owns the most and the second most single season blocks in KU history. What KU center is third on that list? He had 125 blocks during the 2010 season.
3: Cole Aldrich.
2: That's right. Coltrane. Some call him sore A huh, little known nickname there. All right, back to you, Isaac. Finishing 14th on that single-season block list. Was the only season as a Jayhawk for what KU center in 2014? Joel Embiid. Joel Embiid is correct. Two for two. Great job, guys. This is this is the kind of matchup I wanted to get us started off the right way here in the grade eight. We're going back to you now, Ryan, for question number three. Ryan. Wilt Chamberlain. Holds the KU record for most rebounds in a single season. He had 510 of them in 1957. This Bill Self big man is second on the list with 463 rebounds in a season.
3: Thomas Robinson.
2: That is correct. T-Rob back in 2012 Pulled down 463 boards. All right, Isaac, back to you now. Isaac, Devontae Graham and Jeff Boshi are tied for third in most threes made in a single season in KU history. They both had 110 of them. Terry Brown is second on that list with 111. Which sharpshooting wing who played under Bill Self is first all-time? With 115 threes in one season.
4: He's been good to me today. Svi.
2: That's right. See, we don't set these up that way, but it just happened that the board fell your way. You get two Svi questions. All right, guys. Great job. Both knocking down three for three. This is the kind of matchup we wanted. Let's dim the lights. Let's change the mood here. It's a great eight matchup. A one-three showdown in the Midwest region. With a spot in the Phenomenal Four on the line, RCST Trivia. Ryan, we go back to you now. Ryan, Vern Long holds the KU record with 26 free throw attempts in one game at KU. He did it all the way back in 1911. Two KU one-and-done wings are the next closest with 19 free-throw attempts in a single game. Name one of them.
3: Let's go, Xavier Hin
2: mm. Ryan, those two one-and-done wings were Andrew Wiggins and Kelly Oubre. Andrew Wiggins and Kelly Oubre. All right, Isaac, you get this right. You're moving on. You get this right. You're going back to the Phenomenal Four. Isaac, what Bill Self player set the KU record for most free throws made without a miss by going 13 of 13 at the line in a game against Texas Tech. Devontae
4: Graham. Wow.
2: Wow. That is correct. Didn't even have a year, but I gave you the opponent, I gave you the coach. And you knocked it down. Isaac Henderson makes history. He is headed back. The defending champ still alive as he secures a spot in the phenomenal four. Isaac, you didn't take a whole heck of a lot of time there. Do you recall that game when Devontae went thirteen to thirteen? You must, right?
4: Um recall the game, recall seeing it, um, going back, doing the research. Um but yeah, I mean it was it's a grind to, to get to the Final Four. You know, getting over the Humpty Elite Eight, it's always tough. Um, but,
2: yeah. Well, tell me how it feels, man. I mean, you secure the spot in the Phenomenal Four. The dream's still alive for a repeat. The pressure, the target that's been on your back hasn't made you falter whatsoever. I mean, tell me how you're feeling now after you secure that spot in the, in the Phenomenal Four.
4: You know, I believe at some point, Bill Self had a quote that, you know, as a blue blood winning in March, it's more of a relief than it is about fun. Um, And I definitely kind of felt that, you know, just winning moving on has been much more of a relief. Um, But I got to go back to my last year's ways a little bit here. On Friday, you had Brian Haney on. Mm -hmm. He said his bracket was busted. That means he didn't pick me to win. I thought he (laughs) was a smarter guy than that. So next (laughs) time you have him on, I'm gonna need you to get on
2: that all right all right we're gonna pass the word along we'll pass the word along to b haney you're right he did say his bracket was busted don't know exactly who he had ryan your run comes to an end it was a great effort it was the uh the one and done wings that 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 got you there's only been a handful of them but you guessed xavier andrew wiggins kelly Oubre, josh jackson would have been another one that comes to mind tell me how you're feeling man
3: Yeah. I, uh, I mean, obviously the first name that comes to mind is Wiggins, but, uh, I just remember towards the end of his career, just being so frustrated with how little <laughs> aggressiveness he played with. And so I kind of wrote him off. Like there's no way that guy got to the line 19 times in a game. Cause he was just not doing anything. Um, and I kind of remember watching, watching Xavier play. He was always kind of slashing and, and, uh, more aggressive, you know, Josh would have been a good guest too, but I, but I would have missed. So, um, Man, you know it's kind of funny. I was thinking as, as we go along, the questions aren't necessarily harder. It's just less context clues to get you to the answer you're looking for. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's just it's, it's fun, man. And I had a, had a great time. Um, you know, had to had to pick one out of those one of the, out of those guys, and I picked the wrong one. So hats off to Isaac.
2: Well, you did a great job, Ryan. You made it all the way to the sizzling sixteen last year. You made it to the great eight this year. I'd imagine it won't be long before you knock down the door and make it to the Phenomenal Four. Great effort. Thank you so much for being a part of it. Isaac, congratulations. You are a a household name at this point in RCST trivia, so we'll be talking to you again next week. Congratulations, guys. Thank you so much for getting this week started off for
3: us. Have a good one.
2: Have you still not heard? MLS is back, and Sporting Kansas City is back in action. After finishing first in the Western Conference last season, Sporting KC is back in action and hungrier than ever to paint the wall. The best part is you can watch Polito, Russell, Busio, and the rest of our boys in Sporting Blue live in a limited capacity crowd again this season. To attend a match in person, go to SeatGeek.com SKC and be sure to use code SKC RCST at checkout to receive an exclusive discount just for being a Rock Chalk Sports Talk listener. Again, use code SKC RCST at seatgeek.com slash SKC before it's too late. RCST Trivia is brought to you by Pella Windows. Pella, product of Kansas, is your one-stop shop for all your window and door needs. Pella offers everything from turnkey window and door replacements to experts in the field that can work with your contractor and find the perfect solution for that project to make your house feel like a home. Whether you're building a home, taking on a remodeling project, or simply want the best replacement solution, Pella Windows has all your answers. Stop by the newly remodeled showroom on the northwest corner of 6th and Wakarusa or call 785 749 four eight zero eight. Don't hesitate. Appointments are filling up fast. You know what we haven't talked enough about as of late, and honestly, this is on both of us, Derek, but we have really failed to talk about all the things that are going on in the world of sports. Have you noticed that? Mm. Have you noticed how many things are happening in the sports world lately? Lots. Yeah, so mm-hmm. many. And we really have have failed you as an audience in discussing them. So we thought that we would try to Uh, Redeem ourselves a little bit with a segment that we like to call, Do We Give a Bleep, where we go over everything you might have missed that happened in the sports world and decide whether or not it's worth giving a bleep about. You don't have enough time in your life or enough energy in your body to give a bleep about everything, so we're going to make things easier for you. Derek, what is the first item on today's docket? This is pretty big news, Nick. Tim Tebow. The former
0: baseball player, I think, is where most people know Tim Tebow's name. If you're into big minor league baseball guys, uh, Tim Tebow is signing a one-year deal with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Forget baseball. Tim Tebow returning to football, returning to his college head coach, Urban Meyer in Jacksonville.
2: Not to play quarterback. Hmm. To play tight end. He did have a a brief stint as a tight end with... The Jets. Do you remember this? Was that it's a tight end or was it just like an H back? I remember him being on like special teams where he was like yeah. the guy calling out the snap. Well, it was with Mark the, the Sanchez. I remember he had one pass thrown to him in his NFL career and it bounced off his helmet. Remember that? He had, they had them. They ran him in motion, and it was just a little uh, like a little route out to the flats, and Sanchez threw it immediately. Hit him right in the helmet, not as if he was open or had anywhere to go with it. But that was the only pass ever thrown his way. That was in 2012, and that was the last time Tim Tebow appeared in a regular season NFL game. Think about that, that this guy who hasn't played in the league for nearly a decade is now getting another shot with his former college coach, Urban Meyer. I almost feel like this is
0: a... I mean, it might be a little bit of a favor from Urban Meyer. You think? But yeah. But here's the thing with Tim Tebow. I, I mean, it is going to be a media circus. Maybe not as much because he's a tight end and because it has been 10 years. He's a
2: 33-year-old tight end. But He'll I be guess, 34 by the time the season starts. I guess it doesn't
0: hurt. This is just like a technically a training camp invite. I, I know that it's a one-year deal technically, but sure you could just cut him. Do, know,
2: I think it does hurt, though. How? Why is Tim Tebow get another shot? He hasn't played in the league in a decade. There what are happens other if he ends up being good? What if he's like He's Rob 34. Grinkowski? He's 34. He's older
0: than Rob Gronkowski.
2: Yeah, he is older than yeah, Rob Gronkowski. He's older than Travis Kelsey. Dude, he's 34. He's never played as a tight end. He spent the last decade trying to make it as— This is like a make-a-wish kid. He is. Seriously. Wow. It's like, what do you want? What do you want to do? Do you want to play in the NFL? Sure. First-round pick. No, you want to try out in baseball? Here, Mets. Contract. Oh, you want to try to get in the NFL, a different position? Here you go. Once again, sign up with your old. But this isn't a guarantee coach. to the roster. I mean, he's gonna to have to make the roster. So, but it doesn't matter. The fact that it's even being considered is an insult to all the guys. It's gonna be one of like seven tight ends. You know what this? Did? You know what this does? This makes me think, Urban Meyer is gonna ruin Trevor Lawrence. I That's don't see the, the correlation. big story here. That's the big story that everybody's missing. All right. The fake news media won't cover it, but I'll I'll tell you right now. The fact that Urban Meyer is willing to sign Tim Tebow, who, by the way, is his next-door neighbor. Hmm. Whoa. Yeah, Urban Meyer just bought a house next to Tim Tebow in Jacksonville. The fact that he's willing to do that tells me you don't know what you're doing, tells me you're not capable of running a competent NFL franchise, tells me you're going to ruin Trevor Lawrence. I don't see the correlation there. I'm just going to
0: say... I don't think he's going to make the roster. I think this is just a, hey, if you have something left in the tank, prove it to me. And you're probably not going to make the roster. If he makes the roster, it's it's a success at that point if you're Tim Tebow from his standpoint. Um, and I almost feel like this from Urban Meyer is like, hey, if you do make the roster and you get some experience as a tight end, maybe this is a transition for you to go back into the football world where you can become a coach. Well, who cares,
2: dude? I don't care. I'm tired of you seeing do this not guy. Give a I'm tired of seeing this loser continue to get shots. Wow. Just work for ESPN. He's good at TV. He's good at doing college football coverage. He was quite successful at that. But everything he's done as a professional athlete has fallen short. I don't understand why. I mean, dude, this is the number one story. And this is a different conversation. But if you go to NFL.com right now, it's the number one story. It is the main headline on the NFL's official media website why 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 are we still infatuated with this guy who has not played professional football since 2012 let's do this now let's either do one of two things let's start talking about other baseball players who should be signed to nfl rosters this off season or let's talk about other guys we want to see make their first appearance in the nfl in a decade is there anybody else that comes to mind who you'd love to see give it another shot no, brett I mean- Favre. When's the last time Brett Favre played in an NFL game? I say give him another shot. That would be great headlines. Who else? I just, I don't know. Vinnie to me, it's, it's almost like,
0: it's it's like the Tiger Woods effect of Jerome like, Bettis. You know, Tiger Woods has won what? Two tournaments in the last like five years? and Tomlinson. But every time Tiger Woods gets brought up, it's the big headline. It's Tiger, you know? And that's the thing with Tim Tebow. It's not obviously to that successful. Tiger level, Woods is
2: the greatest golfer ever. Yeah. Tim Tebow played played 35 games in his NFL career.
0: I'm just saying, I don't see the risk here. He's probably not going to make the roster. He's going to be one of like seven tight ends in training camp. There's like 95 guys. They
2: should sign Sean Alexander so he can transition into coaching. I don't give a bleep about this story. But, you know, the overall amount of emotion that was elicited from the story would beg to differ. So maybe I do care more than I'm willing to admit. I think you care a lot,
0: but like in a negative.
2: Yeah, that's true. I do care. I don't really care because it's not really going to impact me,
0: or not really going to impact my like watching a football because he's not going to be on the team. So like, I'm I'm sad that we even had to discuss it, but we had to because it's our duty. Okay, uh, here's one. Speaking of headlines from somebody who wasn't playing sports, rapper J. Cole. Mm. He is signing with a team in the African Basketball League, the Rwanda Patriots BBC. BBC?
2: huh? Basketball club? I don't know. It's not what I know it to stand for. What do you know it to stand for? We'll put that on the podcast edition. (laughs) RCST After Dark. Uh, But he's 36 years old. He actually
0: played basketball. Apparently, he was like a star basketball player in high school. He walked on at St. John's University. Never played, he instead turned to music, which has actually turned into a pretty uh,
2: fruitful career for him, to say the least. Okay. So, is today's theme, athletes <laughs> athletes who should not be given a shot at a professional career being given a shot at a professional career? First, it's Tim Tebow. Now, it's a 36-year-old rapper who played high school basketball. So, and by the way, here's, here's the other thing. And this has got to be a publicity stunt. He's got a new album coming out soon. But if it is a publicity stunt, first off, I I don't get this story. Because if it's a publicity stunt, it's like, is playing in the National, the Basketball Africa League, is that what's going to get all the eyeballs on you? Because, dude, we cover a lot of the KU players who go and play basketball overseas, and they play in a wide variety of places. And you know how the kind of hierarchy goes, right? Like, the really good leagues are going to be in Israel and Italy and then there's just sort of a trickle down effect. Like then you'll go play in Belgium. It's like eh, that's not the best Germany, Korea, China's got a really good league. I've never heard of one one guy going to I did not know that there was a basketball Africa league. And like if you're J. Cole, are you going to Rwanda to fulfill your dream of playing professional basketball? Really? That's the dream? I don't know. Like, I can I can
0: kind of get on board with... Like, it's not a dream. He's only going to play three to six games. You know? It's just like one stint for himself. Like, he can prove to himself. Like, see? I can do this professionally. Like, Maybe not the
2: NBA or anything. Dude, do you remember when... Uh, do you remember when Drake did the thing with Kentucky? Oh, He did yeah, the Midnight that, Madness that was, thing? Yeah. This is what... I want more of this. Okay? If Tim Tebow's getting a shot, J. Cole's getting a shot, I want Drake. I just want... It's kind of like with the presidents. Like, I'm convinced now that every president from here on out is going to be a celebrity. Like, The Rock's going to be president soon. Uh, then Johnny Depp, probably. My fellow guy. Yeah, then my fellow guy. He's not the kind of—I'm talking more A-listers. But yeah. then I want it, I want the celebrity impact to trickle down into sports as well. Like, I just want the NBA and the NFL to be littered with celebrities and actors and movie stars and musicians. Like, can you imagine Drake and they and they commit to it? They're not like. They're, remember when Tony Romo did the team picture with the Mavericks a couple years ago too? This is what I want, and I want a real commitment too. I don't want the NBA saying, "Oh, we're gonna have Drake in for a photo op, and he's gonna go to the layup line." No, I want him starting 82 games for the Detroit Pistons. Which honestly, would well, you if notice? You want to tank- would you notice if Drake was starting for the Pistons this year? Okay,
0: honestly, if you want to tank and sell tickets, right.
2: I mean, what better way to do it than
0: that, right? Um, this story got me thinking one thing. I wish I could find, like, a pygmy island somewhere where it's just, like, a an indigenous tribe of people who, you know, they're all four feet or, or, or shorter. Uh-huh. And they play basketball, <laughs> and I can find that, and I can be their Michael Jordan. I will go out there
2: and I will do what Jake Cole is. Doing. So you think there is a professional basketball league somewhere in the world where you would be the superstar? I can't that's what imagine. I was thinking. No, that's what I can't I was thinking. imagine it would pay well. Nor no, do no, I imagine wouldn't. that Jake Cole's in this for the well, money. Well, that that
0: was my next thought. I was like, okay, if I can find this elusive island somewhere where everybody is, you know, four feet, five feet tall, and I would just be a giant amongst them, and I would be Yudoka Azubuki to them. What's my life gonna be like? You know, uh-huh. am I really going to enjoy the spoils of being there, Michael Jordan there, Yudoke Azbuki there, uh, Shaquille O'Neal? Probably not, but wouldn't it be fun? Wouldn't it be fun to do anyway? It's like a couple games where it's like,
2: I am oh. the best athlete in the world to you. By the way, speaking of the Detroit Pistons, um, they hit. They, they tweeted at J. Cole and, and told him they, he
0: could come try out for him. I actually saw—this one wouldn't surprise me. Uh, You know the basketball tournament, which I get into every year and Mm -hmm. comes up in the summer? One of the teams is trying to get him to join, which that seems a little bit more attainable. It's just a one six-game tournament, possibly.
2: Dude, this is so odd to me. They say he arrived in Rwanda and is quarantining for two weeks as he prepares for the season. Yeah, don't you have
0: to get, like, certain shots
2: and stuff? So he's going to play the whole season? Well, there's only, like, six games left or something a late-season signing. This is more of a publicity stunt for the Rwanda basketball team. I'm thing. guessing. I, I don't know the
0: African Basketball League standings right now. My guess is that they're not very good.
2: Comparatively speaking, right? Somebody's somebody's going to win the championship. Yeah, no,
0: I mean, Maybe like it's like compared them. to everybody in the league, they're probably at the bottom end of the standings.
2: Are there any other are there any other oh, yeah. celebrity athlete stories that we have to get well, to Well, this guy, like, actually is an athlete. DK Metcalf, aware of him? Uh, This is another one. It's another story of a guy being in some sort of event that he probably doesn't belong in. Yeah,
0: he ran in the uh, USA Track and Field Golden Games. Ran the 100-meter dash. 10.3 700-meter dash. NFL players were all over this on Twitter. Like, wow, congratulations. Like, 6'4", 240-pound receiver or whatever, like running that. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. But the track community... Oh, my gosh. They were so upset at
2: this. Are you in tune with the track community?
0: No, but I saw a couple things, like, online yeah. um, with Twitter and stuff. What are they, ma- what are they mad about? I saw the, the one that went the most viral was some dad uh. tweeting it, and it was a picture of his son's high school track meet. And, like, the guy who won the high school track meet had a better time than DK Metcalf. And he's like, nowadays, my sophomore... Or, my son, who's a sophomore in high school, has to run that just to be on the team and stuff like that. And it, it just created a war online of people like, no, this is just amazing because he's a 6'4, 230 pound receiver who hasn't been specializing in this, you know? And it, it just created a gigantic
2: divide. Listen, you still beat two people, though. Everybody gets so mad because of this. And this is the, if I'm ranking these three stories of, People doing a sport that they, they they shouldn't be doing. DK Metcalf is the one I'm least upset about. I would go DK Metcalf, J. Cole, Tim Tebow. Actually, ironically, the only guy who's actually wow. played professional in the sport that he's getting another shot in is the one guy I think least deserves this shot. Because DK Metcalf, it's not like he got blown out of the water, first off. And yes, you're right. There are plenty of other people out there who are probably more qualified to do this. He's only been training for a couple of months. He outweighs these dudes by 50 pounds. Still ran a competitive time. And by the way, brought 10 times the amount of viewers to that race they won't have otherwise watched. Like, I don't know how many people are going to be tuning in to watch J. Cole in the Rwandan African League. 10 times
0: viewers for Jaguars games.
2: Yeah, like, nobody's going to be like, I'm I'm dedicating my Sundays uh, with the Sunday ticket just to watch Jags games. I bet you that preseason alone, preseason only, Jaguars might be
0: the like most viewed team. If they say Tim Tebow's going to be used in like a wildcat role, are you sure he still <laughs> carries that much clout? You said it yourself. He's the number one story right now. I bet you that jersey is going to be like a top. I don't know, fifty jersey sold.
2: Is it? Is it a? Is it a? Is it a religious thing?
0: No, I think it's just like the the cult following that he provided from. Like, he was the ultimate divide of people. But have those fans been hanging on?
2: Event. Have those fans been hanging on all this time for a comeback? I don't think they've been hanging on, but now that he's back. They're just like, back. Yeah, They're just back. Just They're getting the jerseys out like
0: of the, the dresser It's like the drawers. gif of uh, WWE when the guy just comes up from the coffin. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, exactly. Okay, let's get on to actual sports stories. Russell Westbrook is one triple-double away from breaking Oscar Robertson's yeah. career triple-double mark. He tied it over the weekend. They play the Hawks tonight. Uh, if you go on, like certain betting sites, to get a triple-double. Normally, you think, oh, you're probably getting plus odds on this. At the very least, it's even with Russell Westbrook. He's minus 470 to get a triple-double today, meaning you would have to bet $470 just
2: to win 100.
0: Do you give a bleep?
2: I actually do. I actually do. Because Russell Westbrook now, for the fourth time in his career, is averaging a triple-double this season. 22 points, 11 rebounds, 11 assists. Which is impressive. Not as impressive as his numbers just for the month of May. In the month of May, five games, Russell Westbrook is averaging 26 points, 16 rebounds, and 16 assists. Pretty good. Are you kidding me? (laughs) I saw the numbers that he has against the Pacers. Have you seen this? The Wizards have swept the Pacers in three games this year. And Russell Westbrook's averages in those three games. 27 points, 18 rebounds, 20 assists in three games against the Pacers. And listen, I know the thing for the longest time with Russell Westbrook has been he's stat padding is doing all this. If you watch them, like some of the some of the, the the rebounds that he's getting, first off, they're not just like he'll get an offensive rebound over three defenders. It's just an effort thing. Conversely, they, like, when you realize how advantageous it is to have your point guard, your offensive initiator, one of, if not your best players, your fastest player, getting the rebound and pushing the ball up the court so you don't have to look for an outlet. Like, he sort of revolutionized that to the point where every team would love to have a guy who is their point guard who can grab a rebound and just go because it makes your offense run so much faster, especially in the NBA, which we know is a more up-and-down game and uh, with the floor spacing and and how much they like to run in transition. So I I think it's really impressive, especially considering he's going to break it probably tonight, but if not tonight, at some point this week, in 100 games less than what Oscar Robertson did. Oscar Robertson played in his career 1,040 games. This is 938 or 939. Russell Westbrook. He's three years younger than Robertson was when he ended his career. He's still got plenty of gas in the tank. By the time it's done, he's going to be well over 200 triple-doubles. And just to put that into perspective, there are only four guys all time with 100 triple-doubles in their career. Oscar Robertson, Russell Westbrook, Magic Johnson, and Jason Kidd. This is going to be one of the most untouchable records in NBA history because there's nobody coming up the pipeline who looks like they're even... I mean. Nikola Jokic is ninth all the time. He's gotten 56, and he's never averaged a triple-double for a season and probably never will because it's that hard to that do. Might this year. He might, but he's he's two assists shy, so you'd have to really crank it up. Like It's just so impossible to do. He's going to blow this record out of the water, and I don't know how it's ever going to be touched.
0: Do you think we're going to look back in, like, 30 years, you know, when you just look at the stats
2: and go, wow, this guy's like a top-ten player ever. It kind of makes you wonder if... Will will history remember him more fondly than we do in the moment? Like, perfect example. If you asked anybody
0: today, or I guess 9 out of 10 people, because there's always exceptions, 9 out of 10 people are saying Steph Curry is the better all-time point guard than Russell Westbrook, right? Right. If we go in 30 years in the future, people are going to look back and go, what do you mean, Steph averaged 6 assists per game and 4 rebounds? Russ was giving you the same amount of points, but 10 rebounds, 10 assists.
2: Yeah, I mean the like that's tit- gonna be a, yeah. Yeah, the titles are gonna be difficult, but I would take it like this: like Russ versus James Harden, because James Harden's got the MVPs, but he doesn't have the postseason success either. Maybe that'll change after this year, but he's one of the guys. Like right now, I'd say history probably remembers him, or history, or we we kind of put him ahead of Russell Westbrook. I don't know. Maybe that's wrong, but I agree with you. Like if Westbrook right now is a top what all time. Top yeah, 60 top, player, yeah, yeah. top 70 player. I wouldn't be shocked if in 20 years we're like, oh, he's probably better than that. He's probably top 25 player of all time just because his statistics are going to be so incredible that we'll look back on and say how the hell did he ever do that? Alright, that's Do We Give a Bleep. He's Derek Johnson. I'm Nick Schwartz. You're listening to Rock Chuck Sports Talk.